Second week already, second episode of the podcast. I'm super excited. I'm Ethan. We're here with Brady and our special guest today. Uh, rap was unavailable for uh, the start of this episode, so we have Isaac filling in to talk about some trending topics. Everyone say hello, Isaac. Welcome, Isaac. Hello. We're going to be talking about a couple things that happened throughout the week uh, from the time of our first podcast before we dive into our Super Bowl analysis. So first things first, I don't know if you guys are on the Instagram or not, as the youth of today are. But uh, on the Twitters too, Floyd Money Mayweather back in the news. He posted a video of him in a UFC ring. Brady, what what was the video? Yeah, he, he showed a video of him walking up to the cage and stepping in and uh, showing he want, he's interested maybe to get in the cage with Connor probably. So, so what you think, uh, Floyd Mayweather to UFC twenty eighteen? That that's gonna be a thing? Like, I know it'd make a lot of money. I know Dana would do it. It's all about if Floyd actually wants to step in the ring with Connor. And, fight MMA. Well, yeah, so if Floyd wants to do this, it's what? Is it for money? Is it for his ego? Is it because he's like bored? Like he wants another challenge? Like maybe uh, all three? I think a little bit of all three and also Connor's just been going at him saying, I fought in your game, time for you to step in my world now and everybody's saying he won't last a minute and he's for his pride, I guess, more he's trying to show I'm still 50 now, I'm still great. Well, I mean, uh, he was very successful in boxing and you saw Conor McGregor <sighs> tried to go from UFC to boxing and that he, you know what? He put up a great fight. I watched the fight. He put For up sure a great fight. I think Floyd applauded him. I think I think he got a lot of respect from that. So what? You think Floyd will be successful? You think he'll struggle like Conor kind of struggled? I think he got knocked out in a minute really? or tapped out. For sure, he's, he's not. He's gonna get finished within the first round because Conor will just kick him in the legs and Floyd and Floyd's legs will just break. That's that's true. I guess that takes a lot of training uh, to be a UFC fighter. Maybe not 2018, maybe 2019, but I think it's great branding for the sport I think it's just good uh, internet talk like look he posted and he got a lot of retweets and everybody was talking about it yeah and I mean if you're talking about from a business standpoint Dana White oh they great. need it they great. need it he's, he's fantastic at pay-per-view uh, wise he's fantastic at um, promotions and all that and I think uh, adding Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather to that roster is going to be spectacular uh, let's shift over to something else that happened during this week and one of the big reasons Isaac's here he's a big hockey guy Isaac I hear uh, you had a tournament this weekend and uh what happened at that tournament, Isaac? You want to talk about it? I don't want to talk about so it. So Isaac Nothing was at about post. Isaac was at a, tur- a tournament in Quebec City this weekend, and apparently, in overtime in an elimination game, am I right? He yeah, uh, he hit the post, and then the other team went across the ice, and they scored right away. So Isaac, it's not really your fault, but it's all your fault. It's Josh's fault. Okay. <laughs> so uh, big hockey news: Yarmou Yager, NHL legend. I mean. He's the second most all-time points, third most all-time goals, uh, fifth most all-time assists, third most uh, games played, and obviously the best mullet of all time. Uh, he's a surefire, like, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, the Flames waived him. Uh, it was his ninth team. He's 44 years old. He wasn't producing. They're in, like, a playoff contention. So, Isaac, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it was, like, valued uh, waiving him? Do you think, like, they disrespected him in any way of sort? I don't think it's any disrespect. I think if he's not producing, he's got to be sent down. Teams want to win nowadays. You can't win with players that are not producing any points. I mean, yeah, but he had uh, he had an injury earlier in the season. I mean, I personally feel like I think they're doing it more for him right than, than for themselves, right? If Yager like, wasn't playing, he wasn't playing well, he wasn't happy. He wanted to go back to his uh, hometown, right? He went to... What team was it? He went to... Let me get this. He went to HC Clat... Cladno? 
H.C. Kladno, officially my new favorite hockey team, by the way, just because Yager's there. Um, I mean, I personally think, like, he had such an amazing career in the NHL. This is, like, kind of okay, right? Like, he's 44. He's not producing, of course. He wants to play hockey, so he'll go play where he'll do well. I mean, he's always been the type, right? The, the type of player that just wants to do well and is always happy when he's doing well, right? Exactly. But uh, the problem was there that he didn't want to play if he was sent down, right? So instantly he just decided he's going to go to his hometown. He's going to be with his family. It's just easier for him. Yeah, and I mean, listen, now that Yager's gone, there are actually only five active players left that played in the 90s, which is kind of crazy. Uh, Patrick Marlowe, Joe Thornton, Matt Cullen, Zidane Chara, and Roberto Luongo. Uh, you, you, absolutely insane. You right? look at all those guys, though. They're all, they've all been putting up more points than Yager. They're all still seen as some somewhat stars in the league, big names out there. Yeah, it's true. Like, What, what does that do to, to Yager's legacy if you still have players like Patrick Marlowe who are producing at a, at a high rate and Yager's like, kind of slowed down? Do you think uh, people... I mean, I'm sure Yager's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But if we're talking about how he's going to be remembered, right? Like, I think Patrick Marlowe, if he goes for another two, three, four years, do you think he'll be remembered greater, uh, less still? That's another reason I was thinking maybe Yager left because he, the the more he played badly, the more the more his legacy would be taken away. Yeah, and uh, let's get to our last trending topic, uh, something that's been brewing for more than a week, but we're only talking about it now. The Cavs. Oh my God, Cleveland is in complete disarray. I cannot believe it. Um, it is a mess there. Uh, but this seems to happen like every year. Am I right? Like this tends to happen every year with the Cavs. They go through their midseason slump, and then they they do a trade at the trade deadline, which we'll talk about later. And uh, and they seem to just bounce back. So. I mean, I'm not too worried about this little kind of slump that they're in right now. I don't think it has anything to do with character issues in the locker room, anything with Isaiah Thomas or Kevin Love. or I just think it's a lot of the media speculation. And I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you guys think like, this is like a sign that they're slowing down as a team? Or do you think this is just their classic midseason slump? In my opinion, it's all coming from Isaiah Thomas. Last year, they were great. They gave up so much to get Isaiah. Then, uh, then you That's see what happened when he when he gets there. He's not producing what what they what they need That's from him. Bold. I mean, he was injured for half the season, right? You got to give him some time to like get back into it. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's also one of the star players, right? He's a star player in the league. He's, he's I don't I just. And he's also causing drama in the locker room a little bit, you know? Like, there's, I mean, that's all speculation. Feud, right? I hear there's some feud between him and Kevin Love. I don't know for sure if that's right or not. So you, or believe, was that, a fight. you believe that he's part of the problem, right? You believe that he is kind I, of the reason? I, I don't believe he is the reason, but I believe he is a part of the issue there, yeah. And do you think they can get fixed by trading for someone, or do you think that that's something they have to talk about themselves? Like, I, I can't really say, because I don't know the value for Isaiah out there, but... Uh, like they, I, if I were they the Cavs, a pretty good first round pick, pretty big uh, first round pick, Brooklyn's pick. Yeah, exactly. So, so but value's pretty high. Like I, I but think it may, it may it may have lowered now. You you don't. He's you don't also know a free agent high. after the season, and I think also I think first of all Isaiah is not known to be a defensive guy. So they're the where they're most struggling is defensively. Isaiah's not known to be a defensive guy. He's known to be a scorer. He took Boston. He was the only guy there, and they brought him to the Eastern Conference Finals. LeBron has always had a team. So we had star players, and they all have to learn how to adjust to LeBron. Number one, which Isaiah has to learn how to do. Which I think by the end, by playoff time, they'll be adjusted and they'll be better off. 
Also, I only think I Kevin Love and Isaiah are fighting because realistically, Kevin Love's like seven, like six foot something. Isaiah's like five, th- five nine. There's no real fight there. Kevin Love would win. So let's relax on that. I'm Rude. not. I'm, I don't mean a physical fight. I mean a verbal argument. Like they don't like each I, other. There, there could be. There, I mean, it's a problem in all pro sports, really. Where there's like a bunch of egos look in the same Brady, room. Belichick, and uh, Robert Kraft. There's of rumors course, about that too. Of course, you want to look at Brady, Belichick, and Robert Kraft. Why would they not? Well, why would the most corrupt Patriots fan in the history of Patriots fan not want to talk about Belichick, Bill, Boys. and Kraft? And we're gonna talk about the Super Bowl uh, right oh after God. these messages. Today's casual sports talk episode is brought to you in part by snow brushes. You hate them, but you need them when it snows outside. And we are back with uh, Daniel this time instead of Isaac. Daniel couldn't join us for the trending topics, but he is here to talk about the three main subjects. And it is 11.40 on a Sunday night. Patriots, Eagles, Super Bowl just finished. Uh, Brady, our hardcore Patriots fan, is... Pulling himself together, and it was a it was a fantastic game. I think it was one of the better Super Bowls that we've seen in quite I, a while. Actually, I think I liked it a lot because it was two sided. You know, it wasn't heavily one sided. No team was dominating for a big chunk of the game. Besides the yeah, side. you know, I really think both teams played extremely well. I mean, you could really make an argument for both teams deserving to win this game. Uh, Tom Brady's played spectacular. Nick Foles played absolutely out of his mind. Um, I mean, uh, the first thing is, like, uh, he made these crazy throws, picking out some receivers in that zone coverage that was, like, really astounding to me. I don't know if it's coaching as much as him actually having the skill, because we've seen it in 2013, I mean, it's dropped off. I don't know whether that's going to translate to another team, maybe next year now, that he has his whole playoff run under his belt, he can gain traction again and try to start for another team who needs a quarterback. His, vol- his uh, value definitely skyrocketed after this playoff run. I could definitely agree with that. I mean, his value was already high, was it 2014, 2014, when he was doing really well, and uh, now he just reestablished that, that he's still a relevant QB, and that he could be a potential trade that a shipper uh, being shipped. But I also think that the coach, Peterson, he did some risky calls, but the thing is, you can't win huge games like this, especially against the Patriots, without making some risky calls. He had some fourth down, fourth and long, fourth and few yards. He would go for it on the fourth down conversion, and he made it. I think that's what really made this game like an actual like a win for them. I think that actually gave them that W. Yeah, I think 100% a lot of what they had to do with the win tonight was coaching. I think Doug Peterson's a fantastic coach. I give him 100% of the credit, and I think... Him and Bill Belichick actually like went like toe to toe on this one. You know what I mean? Like it was like they were like in this big battle. Like you yeah. look quarterback. It was really the coaches. You know who was gonna out coach and Brady. I think has some points he wants to talk about. Um, today's a sad night for me. My boys lost. Uh, third with tenth with last play of the game. Blew it. Lost the lost the game. But um, what I what I what I honestly thought I saw, Nick Foles play out of his mind. Play the best game of his life. They played a perfect game in my mind. Because if they wouldn't play a perfect game, then the Patriots would have won. Patriots didn't necessarily make any mistakes. They just didn't play as good as the Eagles. Eagles, we first of all, we couldn't get any pressure. We had no pressure on Nick Foles. He didn't get sacked once. I don't even know if he got hit. We couldn't get any pressure on him. So we're not going to make any plays with that. Bill Belichick, being a hard-ass, benched Malcolm Butler because Malcolm Butler said he want to come back next year. So that didn't help us either. He's our best corner. 
in my opinion, you're going to bench our best corner in the middle of the game. No, you're not doing us any favors. Malcolm Butler legitimately could have helped us win this game. Who knows? Um, I also think Doug Peterson is getting away too much credit. I really think it was Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz's defense completely shuts down. Jim Schwartz will be a head coach next year, probably, candidate. And I really do believe Jim Schwartz won the Eagles. His coaching won super more than Doug Peterson did. I think their, their pressure on Tom Brady, keeping him, forcing him outside of that pocket, really, really, really force them, like defense, to uh, cause Brady to stumble and throw some plays that he really shouldn't have thrown. I think it's absolutely crazy that we're talking, like, praising Jim Schwartz and the defense did a fantastic job when needed. But the fact of the matter is they gave up. They gave, what, 33 points? So, no, how much was it? It was... Uh, it was 33. It was 31. It was 33 points. 41, 33, yeah. So, like, can you imagine being praised for giving up 33 points? Like, you limited the Patriots to 33 points. Good job. You won the Super Bowl. And, like, and also the fact that this game was the highest... Uh, the most yards scored in a, in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I saw that during ridiculous. the broadcast. Over that was a thousand absolutely yards. ridiculous. Uh, another couple like quick tidbits about this game that I kind of saw on Twitter afterwards. Um, that QBs to lead the league in passing, which Tom Brady did, are now 0-6 in Super Bowls. Um, no MVP has won the Super Bowl since 1999. Wow. And uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban has never won in the same year. <laughs> so, like, really, history was like not on the Patriots' side here. But at the same time, history was on the Eagles' side, too, just because of the run the Patriots had culminating in that 0-4 victory against the Eagles, right? Apparently, also, any team has played, played... If the Eagles... Like, if a team played a team recent in the past, in the Super Bowl, yeah. they played each other again, then they usually... The team who won the first time won again. So, yeah. So, there's a lot of talk about, like, history um, being on the Eagles' side, on the Patriots' side. At the end of the day, it was an old-fashioned football game, a lot of scoring, a lot of plays, a lot of uh, controversy maybe near the yeah. end about that catch, that final touchdown catch. I mean, personally, if that, like, I, I kind of expected in my mind that to be reversed just because we don't know what a catch is. I thought it was a catch, but now it kind of brings me back to, like, wow, you know, the Jesse James catch. Like, wh- why didn't they reverse that if they didn't reverse the Eagles one? You know what I mean? I think like, it was the exact same play. I think it was yeah. very close to the exact same play. I think... The difference is Jesse James kind of like extended his arms and Zachers kind of went just for a dive and on contact, the ball kind of hit. So the ball kind of passed the line, the threshold into the, t- into the, like the, yeah. t- the end zone. So did Jesse James though. Yeah, I agree with Jesse yeah. James, but it was more for me, like why I kind of rationalized it was he extended his arms to put it, you know? He, just, he was you didn't really diving, see that he yeah. had full control, right? He went to the ground and then he extended his arms. Ertz took a couple steps and he dove for it. I think that might have been one well, of the reasons really why. Well, it was a couple of steps. It was more he took a step. Yeah. Devin was on the ground. Like I, he fell. I don't know what the hell he was doing. He uh, fell Ertz on the ground. Beat him. Ertz beat him. Ertz, but it wasn't even beating him. It was he literally was on the ground from the start of the play. He was crawling to make to make the tackle. It was literally his ankles gave out underneath him and he, and he fell. So I don't like obviously Ertz made a good play. Touchdown on him. Good on him. But don't tell me you beat him when he's on the ground the whole time. He's like literally after the, after he broke to make the slant, he was on the ground. So. The guy's angles clearly didn't give up, and right away he tackled him. I don't know how he did it, got on Devin to even make a tackle, but he was in the midair and he fell on the ground and he the ball hit the ground and popped out. I yeah. kind of believe it was a it was a fumble, but again, yes, the NFL isn't very consistent. You know what? That's something that Goodell kind of addressed at his like uh, state of the uh, league address, right? And yeah, you could talk of this talk, but really, is it going to get changed? Probably not. So we're going to have to suffer through this for a long time. 
and I think this is I think this is like the first Super Bowl where there isn't like a controversial call or some sort. I think this is the first Super Bowl in a while you don't have like some crazy catch. There were some very nice catches tonight. I thought that Corey Clement's catch yeah. was beautiful. Alshon Jeffrey's catch was beautiful. I gotta give it even even the interception you know, when he tipped it up in the air. Like I thought it was very nice. Harmon, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Harmon. Even Gronk made a few plays and Gronk Amendola. So the the thing is, I think tight ends really dominated this game. I when we released our kind of prediction for uh, this, when yeah, Brady and I released our prediction, thought. I kind of said you have to limit Gronk, and I kind of suggested that maybe put Malcolm Jenkins on there because he can come down from that safety box. A couple of times where Gronk had catches, I saw Ronald Darby on him. It was either Ronald Darby. Or it was in zone coverage. And you know Tom Brady, he picks up our zone. So great job on like Tom Brady to kind of find Gronk when he had like the wrong man on him. You know, and Gronk had a great game. Ertz had a great game. Um, Gronk did have also nine catches for 116 and two touchdowns. Like that, that's, that's impressive. And also, notice the most ridiculous part that like really defense wins championships is showing that Tom Brady threw actually for a Super Bowl record 505 yards That's nuts. with three touchdowns and no interceptions, despite that costly fumble there towards the end, which kind of ended the game. But, I mean, uh, that was ridiculous that like, he could throw for that much but yet still lose the game. All right, imagine this, imagine this. Imagine there was no fumble on the play. You think Tom Brady drives on the field and they score realistically? Yeah, that's Tom Brady's special. And that's, I was talking about it in the third quarter with our friend Josh. I was talking about it with him and I said, listen, the, the Eagles have had a turnover. The Patriots haven't had a turnover yet. And that's just me subconsciously telling myself, like, something's going to happen. They're the due Patriots, for a turnover. They're due for a turnover. Yeah. And it's going to turn this game around. Just like it has in past years with, like, not the Patriots, but when the Patriots turn it over early and other teams haven't, you know the Patriots defense is going to make a play. Uh, I think it was, was it Graham or was it uh, Derek Barnett who stripped it out? It was uh, Graham. Graham and Derek yeah. Barnett recovered it? Yeah. You know what school Derek Barnett went to? Tennessee, Alabama. No, he, he, went, Texas. he went to the University of Tennessee last year. And fun fact that I just, just saw like before we started this, uh, for nine consecutive years, uh, a University of Tennessee alum has been on the Super Bowl winning roster. That's, that's pretty unreal. Like that's crazy. Like that's no no credit to the University of Tennessee in general because they, they were not awful. Great, they <laughs> were an awful team last yeah. year, and we can talk about that Some when we talk about college stars. football. Yeah. So I mean, they've had great talent, yeah. they've had success in the past, and um, shout out to them there, right? real yeah. quick. Derek Barnett was a difference maker in this one. And I thought I give the Patriots great credit for their offensive line work. I don't think they do sacked once or twice, maybe other than that fumble. Was, was fumble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Philly's D line is one of the best D-line in the league in my opinion and the fact that they couldn't get to him they pressured him of course but they couldn't actually get to him and sack him there were many times where they were close and Tom Brady's known to like get the ball off real quick and uh, be a great quarterback under pressure like he like dealt with his passer rating under pressure was just astronomical uh, so great job Patriots offensive line so moving on from from one of the greatest Super Bowls that I've seen in my era to some of the greatest players I've seen in my era uh, before the Super Bowl, the 2018 Hall of Fame class was announced. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? You know, Terrell Owens finally getting in, Randy Moss finally getting in. There were, I mean, personally, I grew up watching these guys. And this is the first class where I could really say, like, I grew up watching a shit ton of these guys. And I, and I loved watching them play. And it's kind of like a, a surreal moment for me just to see these guys. And yeah, I grew up idolizing football and, like, oh my God, like, this is one of my favorite players. Like, he's so good. And then, boom. Now they're in the Hall of Fame. Like some dominant players from yeah, when we were watching as exactly. kids. Yeah, and and side note, 
I got like super kind of feels earlier a couple weeks ago when Mike Vrabel was announced the head coach of Tennessee Titans because then again he's like the first player that like is a coach now but when I was watching him I was actually watching him playing you hear about these coaches that are old players from the 80s the 90s and now players from like when I was growing up watching that's just like a little moment for me I want to get your thoughts on the class real quick Brady, what do you... Uh... Well, first of all, my boy Randy Moss. Well, also Daniel's boy, Randy Moss. Both you have a lot of boys. Damn right. Well, he's, he was part of the Patriots, one of the greatest... Any player to ever play on the Patriots is Brady's boy. Facts. That's a fact. That That's is a fact. fact. Uh, look, in my opinion... Or Todd Gurley. Or Todd Gurley. God bless Todd Gurley. But um, <laughs> when you look at Randy honestly, one play that sticks out to me is that one-handed catch he did over Darrell Revis when Darrell Revis was known as the best corner... In the NFL, Revis Island. yeah, when he was known as Revis Island, Randy Moss went, yeah, Revis Island, let me uh take my boat and run right over you. He went one-handed went right past him. I think Randy Moss is the, in my opinion, has the, is the most athletic, best athlete as a receiver to make it in the Hall of Fame. I'm very happy he's a first ballot, and I think he deserves it. Yeah. I think Terrell Owens got got snubbed. Obviously, his numbers showed he should have been a first ballot, but. The, the voters were a little salty about him being an, a, not being very good to the not being good to the media. But look, he got in second time around, no big deal. He's a Hall of Famer and he deserves it. At the end of the day. Yeah, I was gonna say first of all, I think it was the controversy that surrounded uh, Terrell Owens while he was playing. I think that kind of deterred some voters from voting him in. But I mean, at the end of the day, he's like. He's a great player. He has the number numbers. three. Yeah. And Randy Moss, speaking of stats, he is number two in all-time uh, touch interceptions with 156 and had eight seasons where he had 1,200 yards or more in his career. That's pretty unreal. And, like, I, I think that, 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 that itself says that he is a Hall of Fame some people, some people argue he is the best receiver in the NFL ever. I know Jerry Rice, but... Some people like to argue because Randy Moss was more flashy than Jerry Rice was. At the end of the day. Yeah, I you know I hundred percent think that they got it right a lot this year. I think Trellones finally deserved it. Randy Moss deserved it. Uh, some absolute monsters. Brian Erlacher, Brian Dawkins. They they all deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And Henry Lewis. Henry Lewis. Lewis. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And just the fact that they're first ballot Hall of Famers uh, is more surreal to me, and it kind of just shows showcases all of their achievements so congratulations to them if yeah. you guys are if you guys are listening congratulations uh, we, would love, we would love to buy you a beer so yeah. if you ever come to montreal on ethan yeah on yeah. me on the company yeah on the company put on the company credit card yeah so if you guys ever come to montreal hall of famers you guys are welcome call us dm us we will buy you a beer i promise and i think the fact that like uh, hall of fame status by itself is one of the highest if not the highest honor of a single player could get in the nfl and to be a first year, first like first year eligible to win it also, that's surreal. That's even more unreal. I think, I think yeah. that's like even bigger honor for those guys to get it. One question before we move on to our next topic, uh, Terrell Owens has played for what five, six teams in his career. Uh, what you know, I don't know if he announced which team he'd be repping. Uh, what guys? Yeah, what do you guys think? No. So, so what do you guys think? I, I want your honest opinion on this. Do you I would, think he should go? Uh, uh, the team he spent the most time with. Do you think he should go with the team he had the most success with? Uh, or the team that drafted him? Yeah, or the team. Well, the team he spent the most time Niners. with is the team that drafted him. Yeah, nine four nine. Right. So yeah. he played six seasons there. He had no more than six seasons. Uh, uh, like seven, eight seasons there. He had like five thousand yard seasons, like four eighty plus catch seasons, like four uh, 
13 plus touchdown seasons with them. Like he was just an absolute monster there. So personally, I think if you're going go for that team, the team that you had most success with, the team that would, you were there the longest, the team that drafted you, brought you into this league. But some people might think otherwise. Um, I think that he should probably go with the Niners, but there's a small chance that what if what if he went with the Bills? What if he went with the Bengals? He spent, Imagine. He spent one year with each. Why, why would he do that? <laughs> I guess because he can, yeah, right? Yeah, he can. I mean, yeah. Can. Well, the same way if you're making a parallel to uh, Vlad Guerrero, a lot of people thought he was going to go to uh, where the James Well, no, camp. He, he, he really played, um, really played kind of equal amounts with Expos and Angels. Yeah. He, played, he played more with Expos, right? He had better sets with Expos. But that was like, no one kind of blamed him for picking either. That was a completely yeah. different case. So going from the NFL of the past to the NFL of right now, other than the Super Bowl, it was some massive news this week. Uh, Alex Smith game managed his way to <laughs> being traded from the Chiefs to the Redskins. I want to get your initial thoughts, and then we'll delve into like what this means for Alex Smith, uh, the Redskins, the Chiefs, some fantasy uh, advice, and kind of why this trade happened. Because a lot of people I think were confused at first. You know, why did the Redskins trade for a 33-year-old quarterback when they already had a quarterback 29-30? You know, so let's get your initial thoughts, and then we'll go through a, a lot of this trade. Uh, I'll start off, I guess. Um, first of all, I was very much in shock when I saw Alex Smith got traded to the Redskins. 100%. I, I didn't see Redskins as a suitor for them. I thought, realistically, they were either going to take Kirk Cousins or draft a young guy. Uh, I still think they will draft a young guy, but um, I think Alex Smith, at the end of the day, people don't give him credit for he wins games. Alex Smith's not a guy who's going to lose you a game. They have weapons around in Washington. They may need sometimes maybe some better receivers than he had in KC. Running backs, you can't argue. He has better running backs than Casey. But end of the day, they have a run game in Washington. They have a, they have a very good tight end group. And he has, he has some chemistry with Vernon Davis. Don't forget, they're back in the day. Vernon Davis and Alex Smith from San Francisco. So they have some great chemistry there. And I honestly think Alex Smith is not going to do any worse than Kirk Cousins did, in my opinion. But, yeah. So I think that Alex Smith, like, everybody jokes around always, oh, game manager this, game manager that. But at the end of the day... He really does get the stats. He does get the wins. Like you know, he he does have good games. Although that these passes are uh, the his yard most of his yards come after reception. Regardless, he still does well. He still gets stats that are up there at the top of the league. You know, and also I think that after uh, the fact that the, um, the Chiefs they lost in the wild card, the sad wild card game for them. They had to ship Alex Smith, obviously. And the Redskins, I think, are still going to ship Kirk Cousins. But regardless, I think that Alex Smith going into um, Washington with some great, great uh, players that have potential there, I think I see good things going ahead. And I really like that connection. I, To be fair, I really love Chris Thompson. And I love that we, connection so between FYI, Chris Thompson and Alex FYI, Smith. we are a Chris Thompson-loving podcast. Love it. Uh, we absolutely love Chris Thompson. We want to buy Chris Thompson drinks and food and anything Chris Thompson Absolutely. please um, give us a shout out because we love you so much we are Chris Thompson you are the goat we love you um, so yeah so let's talk about the, the trade real quick uh, a couple reasons behind it I mean from what I gathered uh, Cousins was set to make 31 to 34 million next year like on like the like the open market right so if they wanted to keep him they would have to pay him that uh, the trade for Smith they signed him to a four year 94 million dollar contract which is 23.5 million dollars a year so that's one of the first reasons why you're saving money um, Dan Snyder likes to save money. So, I mean, Alex, with this costing you less, 
And at the same time, he's still a very solid NFL quarterback. I mean, regardless of his game manager status, like Rapp and Brady both said, he's dependable. He has playoff experience. He doesn't turn the ball over that often. I mean, since 2012, he's only had 38 interceptions compared to Kirk Cousins, who's had 55 interceptions. And three of those years, Kirk wasn't even the starter. So Alex really doesn't turn the ball over. He's very reliable. I do have some problems with this trade, though, and I mean, I'll talk about a couple of them real quick. Um, a big reason for his success last year and kind of half the year before in Kansas City was this little speedy guy named Tyreek Hill. Uh, so in Washington, there are literally no weapons to stretch the field like Tyreek Hill is able to. And that's going to mean that Smith is going to be forced to revert to like, his game manager status and check down a lot. And that's kind of a problem for me, just looking at it like, like straight on. Um, at the same time, Smith is four years older, so that does have something to do with it. Uh, that just means you're searching for a new quarterback start soon. Like Brady said, you could draft one in the later rounds this year, or you could pull a Kansas City and in like one to two years trade up in the first round to draft Smith's eventual replacement. Uh, yeah, I, I think that another, like speaking of Kansas City, I think a huge winner of this trade was Patty Mahomes. Because past seasons, he's had potential. He had potential last season, but the one thing is that he was kind of shadowed by Alex Smith and his solid play. Like, you know, they had no reason to play uh, Patty Mahomes, and now Andy Reid, ha- uh, I mean, sorry, uh, Patty Mahomes has Andy Reid's complete undivided attention all on him to completely watch him, look over him, and make him excel as a quarterback in the NFL and possibly a uh, number one quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, so uh, before uh, we talk about how this affects Kirk Cousins, I'm going to finish up about how this affects Alex Smith and people around him. Uh, they also gave away Kendall Fuller in the trade, which he had a spectacular season last year. He was one of pro football focuses, like top-rated slot corners. He's young. He's still 22. And I guess the rationale behind it is like, yeah, it's easier to find a cornerback than it is to find a quarterback. I mean, the cornerback turnover rate is, is very high and the market's always populated. So I kind of understand it, but at the same time, I mean, that was a big piece of the defense I gave away. Yeah. He's, uh, also, he's also very young also. Yeah, he's 22. I mean, we'll talk about fantasy impact. Chris Thompson, all the way up. Uh, before his injury, he was the most productive player on that offense. Realistically, he would have had the most receptions if he hadn't got hurt. He also was on the record, uh, on the, on like, in the progression of getting a record season, like, like reception okay. and yards-wise, uh, running yard-wise. Now, yard wise. hear this. Yeah. In his first year with uh, Alex Smith, it was little-known running back Jamal Charles. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. He had a career-high yeah. 74, sorry, 70 receptions on 104 targets with seven receiving touchdowns. That's receiver numbers from a running back. That's ridiculous. So Chris Thompson's going to explode next year. Uh, Josh Doxson is actually very boomer bust for me. It all depends on him specifically. He's not Tyreek Hill, but he has the potential to. So if he performs up to his draft status and he's able to go around the cornerbacks and able to haul in those over-the-top passes, Alex Smith will trust him more, and he'll throw it deep, and that'll bring both their values up. Uh, Jordan Reed, if he's healthy, of course, he'll be there for checkdowns. And the, probably the biggest one is Jamison Crowder. I mean, he's an underneath and safe target, 66 catches in 2017. It will go up with Smith there because he does check it down. That's why the game manager status is the game manager status. And probably the only person we haven't talked about yet is Kirk Cousins. What's going to happen to Kirk? Uh, so... Kirk Cousins has said on a bunch of interviews Super Week, he went to Rich Eisen and all those guys' shows. He said he wants to win more than he wants money. So in my eyes, it screams Devin Broncos. 
Vaughn Miller's come out and said Kirk come. A lot of a lot of Denver Broncos have come out and said we want Kirk Cousins to come play with us. I see in my eyes it's a no brainer for him to go there. It would be like Peyton Manning all over again. Obviously not to the level of Peyton Manning's ability, but the last two years Peyton Manning was with Denver, he wasn't that great. So I think Kirk Cousins will very very easily bring the Denver Broncos to the AFC Championship game. There's also another sleeper team, Arizona Cardinals. They have an amazing defense. And Larry Fitzgerald will come back next year. So they have a very reliable receiver. And you have David Johnson as well coming back. Healthy, hopefully. And you have a decent team there as well. So those are my two teams I'd like to see Kirk go to. There's a lot of rumors about the Jets. But I don't see him winning with the Jets as long as the Patriots have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So. No, it's funny enough, like last week, was it? I think he was saying to some interviewer, I can't remember exactly who, but he was saying to an interviewer that he was actually like he was assuming that he was coming back to Washington next season. He was he was thinking he was the things were looking up for him. And I think that another loser in this trade actually, like on the DL, is Colt McCoy, the backup. I don't think that him like I think his his career is pretty much over now. Like there's not much left he's gonna do. I, I think his career was over after left after left he left Browns. Texas. <laughs> like, like I think the second like he lays that Browns uniform, I think his career was done. You know, he was on that jersey. I think That's his fair. career is done. So don't worry, guys. We're not going to talk about football the entire time. We know there are not many football fans out there. But to be fair, the football season's kind of over now, so we just want to take a big kind of review. We'll be talking more about football here and there. We'll be releasing some mock drafts, talk about free agency. So football's not going away. But let's shift to something else. Let's talk about the NBA trade deadline. It is coming up, I think, the 8th. And there's already been a blockbuster move that's happened. Uh, Blake Griffin leaving L.A., uh, do you think it was a good trade? Who won the deal? I mean, do you think how how do you think Blake feels? You know, finding out on Twitter and everything. Also, did you see? First of all, first things first. Did you see his electric first game with the Pistons? True. I think, I think that was pretty solid numbers. I think he's fine with staying in Detroit. Yeah, I think Detroit's a good sports city with some good fans, so I think they'll welcome him well. I think that trade kind of benefited them in the short term. I don't know, how, well, long term, but. In the short term, they got who they wanted. Uh, it really opened up some playing time for guys like Stanley Johnson, who was... I, I was kind of starting to see him as a bust, but he's been playing well the past couple of games, so, like, who knows? Maybe this will be something for the future. But it opens up this kind of space, you know, trading Avery Bradley, trading Tobias Harris. It opens up this these opportunities for these younger guys who were mostly role players to kind of seize this starting role, like Stanley Johnson, uh, like Ish Smith, who was thrown in because of injury, but like Reggie Bullock. And I think... If I'm being honest, I think Detroit's depth is going to be their issue if they make the playoffs or on the chase to the playoffs. Um, Brady, what about the Clippers' side? Uh, so, I first of all, I was very shocked. I think Clippers are like, they're just saying, you know what, it's time to sell. They got rid of Blake. I do believe they get rid of DeAndre. Um, I think also shows Doc Rivers ain't going to be there much longer. Doc left the Celtics. He didn't want to rebuild. I think so that, now. I think they're entering into a rebuild right now. Yeah. So so. That raises the question: Who's there longer, Doc Rivers or Austin Rivers? <laughs> who I runs think, the, Who runs this team? <laughs> I think Austin Rivers will stay there longer. To be honest with you, um, I don't think he's that bad of a player. He's very, he's decently defensive, and he he puts a, he, he's a nice point guard, shooting guard. At the end of the day, like I think I think maybe it's because his father coaches him, so he puts him in the right spots. Just everything I read is he's a locker room poison. I, everything I read, he's the coach's son. So like. It's like when you're nine and the coach's son like gets all the playing yeah. time and like you're so pissed off at him and he's so like 
yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the coach's son. Like, Coffee I just think there, that's yeah. like the the problem here. And whether it's Austin or Doc that has to go, I think you got to break them up, right? If mm-hmm. the Clippers want long term success, um, so the Clippers this year are definitely sellers, right? At the trade deadline, a couple other sellers um, that we're talking about. We're talking about teams like. The Charlotte Hornets, the Chicago Bulls, the Jazz, the Hawks, the, the Knicks, the Magic, the Kings. Basically, like any team right now who doesn't seem like they're in line for the playoffs are trying to get rid of that dead weight, you know, that dead cap. Uh, trying to get extra draft picks or future um, uh, players, future stars, the young players who have a lot of upside with them. Or there's the LeBron James sweepstakes, you never know. Some teams. Or trying to clear cap for LeBron. I think but every year they say that same thing, the same sweepstakes every single year. And never, like, everyone's like, oh... Lakers are going to get him. Oh, uh, uh, Golden State Warriors are going to get him. God knows. So at the time you guys are listening to this, we have actually released our NBA Treadline, not prediction article, but like what would be cool. So like some hypothetical scenarios that we thought of, um, some hypothetical trades that we went through the ESPN trade uh, analyzer and that kind of worked and our rationale behind it. Uh, I mean... Each one of us, yeah, so go check that article out on the website, on the blog, casualsportsout.com. It's already up there for you guys. You guys can look at it as we read it. And, l- and let us know what you think, right? Let us know if, if you think one of these trades won't work. Uh, let us know if you think another player should be in there. Uh, we worked hard on this. So, I mean, if the trades like, don't make sense to you, kind of listen to our reasoning. And if they still don't make sense to you, you could always give us a shout out on Twitter, leave a comment, say, hey, guys, you know, uh, this one trade, I didn't really like it for this team, you know. What if they did this instead? We love talking sports, and that's what this is all about. And we love hearing from you guys. So just let us know. You know, leave us a comment on Facebook, shoot us a message on Twitter, uh, shoot us a Snapchat on Instagram, leave a comment in the SoundCloud. We love feedback. Slide into uh, our DMs, boys. Slide we love into it. our DMs. We'll take it. We will take it. They're as a wide open. They are. They're wide Especially open. Brady. They're waiting for Chris Thompson. Brady's right? personal DMs are even. They're they're, they're wide open as well. Our DMs are waiting for Chris Thompson and any NFL Hall of Fame. And Steve Smith. Anyway, so um, I mean, probably the biggest uh, need we would talk about is the Cavs right now. Uh, Brady, what do they need? Uh, the Cavs. They probably. I would like to see them get like a dominant center. I would really like to see DeAndre Jordan go. They need to get rid of the cap. His contract is semi-friendly for the cap, for the Cavs to be able to keep him. Um, so we'll see. Maybe they could get rid of, they could get rid of uh, what's it called? They get rid of uh, Jared Smith. Jared Smith. Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson. I, I also I heard a lot of rumors that Tristan Thompson wants to go to LA, Clippers or Lakers. Probably will be the Clippers though, just because Lakers are going with the young movement. I mean, the problem with that is you're sending DeAndre Jordan. <coughs> sorry about that. I mean, the problem with that is you're sending DeAndre Jordan to the Cavaliers, but who are the Clippers getting back? They're not going to do that trade, and they well, they're, they're open about it. First round pick. They're as well. open. They're open about it. So I mean, I don't think the Cavaliers are going to want to give away Smith, Tristan, and a first round just for DeAndre Jordan. Maybe and at the same maybe time, they get Lou Will as well. I don't think that the Cavaliers are going to want to give away Tristan, Jr. and a first just for DeAndre Jordan. And I don't think that the Clippers are going to take uh, just Tristan and Jr. Smith for DeAndre. I just don't think it's plausible. If they work it out, that's great. And at the end of the day, there's usually a winner in an NBA trade on paper. Uh, there was one that we went through right here. Uh, this was a very intricate one. So the Cavaliers need defense, right? I think we all agreed. They're the worst defense. Uh, they're like the fifth highest uh, opponents' points per game. They're actually their opponents 
are scoring more than they are by point three, but still like a team that's thirty and twenty one should not be giving up more to opponents than they're scoring. Am I right? Like yeah, yeah. Um, so I got two of the probably most underrated, uh, fantastic, astounding, excellent defensive players in the league: Jonathan Simmons and DeAndre Dedman. I sent them to the Cavs uh, with some Ursula Silva for some cap, which is probably going to be bought out actually. Um, if this trade obviously goes through, which I mean I don't know, I don't think so. Uh, and I did this trade for multiple reasons. I think the Orlando Magic, uh, with their new kind of uh, direction that they're going in, with their new management coming in after all the terrible trades that they have made, I think it's time for them to kind of come and blow it all up and kind of just start from the bottom. So that's where they're getting rid of some guys like uh, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Simmons. I mean, Aaron Gordon. It's not that it's not working out there. It's just that he deserves better, right? He, in my opinion, he reminds me a lot of a young Blake Griffin. And like I, I see him having a lot of potential later on. I just I just think that Orlando Magic might not be his spot. So this massive deal here that we have, I think it works for three ways, and I'll explain it, and you guys let me know what you think. And people, please, in the comments. Uh, so the Cavs got Simmons, Deadman, Ilyasova. Very cap-friendly, by the way. Very cap-friendly. Uh, Deadman and Simmons have more than one year, so they can use them in the future. They get rid of Tristan Thompson, which is a big contract. Channing Frye, which is a big contract. Uh, the Orlando Magic kind of get Kent Bazemore and Tristan Thompson, and that kind of makes their lineup next year scary for me if they don't screw it up. I mean, Alfred Payton, Bazemore, Fournier, Thompson, and Vucevic. Like, that's a very nice starting five, in my opinion. That might help, maybe make them play off in one or two years. And then you have the Hawks, who are getting Aaron Gordon, who can help like, be the face of this rebuild with Dennis Schroeder. So Schroeder and Gordon. I like that. Right? I like that. And at the same time, the Magic are getting a first round pick out of this. I don't know if it's going to be Brooklyn's or Cavaliers, depending on how good of negotiators they are, I guess, right? <laughs> but I don't know which one they're getting. Um, overall, Brady, Rap, is this a good trade? Who do you think wins this trade in the long run, in the short run? Let me know. I, I like that. Honestly, like, as soon as you talk about the Hawks being Schroeder and Gordon, I, I could picture that. Like, I can already see that. They're, they're, already, they're already in their midst of the rebuild, and I think that that would be fantastic. I actually really like that a lot for the Hawks. And if that trade pick, like you said, can end up being Brooklyn, I for think, the Magic. yeah, for the Magic, that'd be huge. Yeah, yeah so I agree. If they can get Brooklyn's draft pick, I think uh, Orlando obviously wins it. I think they have a nice young nucleus. They have a nice coach, a better front office, and they make the first pick. They get the Brooklyn pick, and they do the right. They make the right player. They're building a nice starting five and a nice depth on the team. And I think that actually will boost them up to be a better team than what they're known to be. So let's go on to the second trade that I have here. Um, I know when I showed you this, actually, I got like, whoa, Lou Will to the Heat. Like, whoa, what is happening here? Hear me out, all right? Let me send my pitch and let me know what you guys think. Um, Lou Will is absolutely having probably the career of his life right now. I think he's like uh, having, um, yeah, so he's averaging career highs in both points and assists this year. He's on a very friendly deal, like a one-year deal, so Miami can like, Decide in the offseason if they want to keep him, if he wants to be more than a rental. But really, Miami needs him because they lost Deion Waiters. So they're, they're in the playoff hunt right now. They're in seventh place as we speak. And they need this scoring player who's going to help them. Um, I have Miami sending to the Clippers, Justice Winslow, uh, O'Carroll White, just for cap purposes, and then a 2020 protected first-round pick, just because they don't have one this year and I want to put a protection on it. 
just in case Lula doesn't sign or not. Because that's logically what a GM would want to do. And if I was the GM, that's what I would want to do. So the Clippers need, right, the Clippers are ready to rebuild. They wanted a first-rounder for Lou Will. They got a first-rounder and a former 10th overall pick. Justice Winslow has done nothing at the NBA level so far. He's an injury-prone. He probably has that bust label on him. But it's always possible he's still 21. He could still break out, you know? Like, he could be a key centerpiece of their their rebuild. And I want to know. I know I had some, like, comments on, like, Lou Will, really, to the Heat. So hit me with it, you know what I'm saying? Like, first and foremost... I don't like Lou Will on the on the Heat. I don't. I don't think this trade, in my opinion, is that super fair. Like I, I, I wouldn't like that as the Clippers to be. Uh, to be honest, I think that Lou Will is presenting lots of value, but they're not using him well enough right now. He's always been that six man, six man. You know, always now he's kind of picking it up. He's doing. He's doing really well, but I don't know. I just really don't like that trade. In my opinion, no, not a lawyer, lawyer, lawyer. Are we allowed to reference six man Lou Will, or is Drake gonna sue us again? I don't know. I think I think Drake letting slide. Like, right. Drake, if you're listening, yeah, send us a DM. Slide. If you have a problem, if you have a problem, yeah, we'll let us know out. and we'll. Uh, I, I, Daniel. Listen, Daniel I, I hear it goes down in the DM. So yeah. Drake, I think that's another lyric. Uh, Lloyd, I'm sorry, I'm getting us sued. Uh, boys, artists, not me. It's them. <laughs> Go after Daniel and Ethan, not me. Yeah. So I mean, I think Lou Will is a fantastic six man. You could bring him off the bench, and he does wonders. And I think kind of the value for the Clippers kind of comes in that first round pick. Brady, do you like my trade? Do you think it's stupid? So, the way I look at it is, I think the Clippers are going to win that trade in the sense that they're going to get a young guy, and they're going to get a uh, first-round draft pick. Protected first-round pick. Also. Yeah, protected. I it just, depends what the protection is, right? Yeah. It could be top five, top ten lottery, but... Yeah, you know, it's still yeah. a first-round pick. Yeah. They could take both their first-round picks and maybe trade up that year. Who knows? That's in a long time for now. I just... I don't know. I think Dion Waiters was, was like... What he did last year... Was just it was like something special, and I think Lou Will is doing something great this season, but it's just the Heat and the Clippers are two different teams, right? The Clippers they need something to score. Heat they have Drogic, they have some scores there. I just don't see Lou Will being that guy who's gonna lead them back and just bring them into the playoffs like, like like Dion Waiters did. Defensively, also I think Waiters may be a little bit better. So I just think overall, I think the Clippers are going to do great if they if that deal happens. Good on Clippers, you know, but I just don't like for the Heat-wise. I don't like it that much. I, I just, I really hope if the Heat do make this deal, if that does happen and Lou Will gets shipped, I hope that Lou Will keeps this momentum that he's having right now. I, I hope that he doesn't just lose his mojo and then he'll end up being another six-man again. Uh, so let's go on to the third trade right now. Uh, a very up-and-coming, a very young team in the Denver Nuggets are kind of fighting for that playoff spot in the West right now. I think they're going to make it, personally. And I think this trade can really help them make it. Uh, so they've been having serious issues with Kenneth Freed and Manny Moutier. Uh, I just hear um, the coach doesn't like them. I just hear they have problems within the organization. And they're still young, so I, they still have a lot of potential. They've shown some production. I just think if they go elsewhere, they kind of need this new, fresh restart to do well, right? So they still have value on them. So the Denver Nuggets trade those two guys to the Utah Jazz, who do need a backup point guard because Dante Axon's always injured and Ricky Rubio is not elite, but he's very good. And they need someone to back up Derek Favors because he's also often injured and you might lose him to free agency. Uh, in return, the Denver Nuggets get two guys on one-year deals. One of them is Rodney Hood, who, if Donovan Mitchell wasn't there, would probably be the starter, but Donovan Mitchell is there. And he is absolutely amazing. He seems to be like a future superstar in this league. 
you don't know, a very friendly deal for this year, $2.3 million. You could sign up for next year. He could be a great bench guy. And this is like the caveat for me, Joe Johnson. Uh, he's not the guy he used to be. He's 36 right? years old. He's I mean, not the guy he used to be, but he, he brings a lot of kind of intangibles to this team. He brings a lot of veteran leadership to all these young guys. He can show them the ropes, take them under his wing. He also brings a lot of playoff experience. And that's going to be extremely key, in my opinion. I mean, these two guys won't start. They'll be role players, but they're going to do a great job if this trade goes through. And I think they're going to enhance Denver's chances of, of going far, actually, in the playoffs this year. Not Probably not beating the Warriors or the Rockets this year, but I think it's a great start if they get this deal done. What do you guys think? I... Personally, I think that Joe Johnson, he's kind of, he's on the end of his career. He's having career lows on minutes. He's having, I mean, he is 36 years old, to be fair. He's been in the league for 16 years. He's averaging 7.3 points per game and 22 minutes per game and a three-point percentage of abysmal 26.7%. And started the season with a wrist injury. I think he's on the end of his career and trading him, yeah, would be great. Trading him away would be great, but trading for him, I don't know how he will have that much of a sense that like oh we need him we need him we need him he's also going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year and I, I think that at the end of the season he's going to be going into the market although I do agree with you that he does bring a sense of uh, leadership and uh, veteran status and uh, playoff experience and stuff like that I kind of do though like him going to the heat I don't I think I, I would like him going oh, back you think to the Joe heat. Johnson to the heat that's interesting I mean yeah. I don't know what kind of trade that would look like they probably wouldn't give uh, like a Justice Winslow type, but that's always possible. Um, yeah, but I personally love Joe Johnson just because you know when you need him, he's going to be there, right? So you won't have him taking those last shots. You'll have Jamal Murray or Gary Harris or Will Barton or Jokic taking those last shots, but when you need him, he'll be there. Brady, what are your thoughts? The other guy is, is like Peyton Manning playing the Super Bowl for Denver. I think he's that veteran guy who will bring a lot of leadership a lot of he he could score some he's I think in the past he's scored some big buckets you know clutch moments for games but I still think he could still do that not play many minutes but like five minutes in a game or even ten whatever it is I still think just having the locker room will help the team out more than anything else I think Kenneth Kenneth Farid and Emmanuel Mounier I think they're young guys I still I like I like Kenneth Farid I think I like his build I like his athleticism so I think he'll help. Help Utah out. I don't think they're gonna go anywhere, but you know they're still like they can build around it. They can build around it, and let's see what happens. You know. Yeah, they can always sneak into the playoffs. I think they're kind of around that eight to ten range right now, so they can always sneak in as like an eighth seed, and uh, use them uh, for the for now and for the future. And we'll go to the last trade right before we uh, sign off. There was one more trade I made. <coughs> this one was involving some bigger players. Um. I read earlier today that Marcus Smart is going to get dealt for a first rounder, maybe first rounder. I understand it because Terry Rozier has really proven that he's very capable of taking that kind of second backup point guard spot to Kyrie, and he's very capable. And one day I think he'll be a starter, but that's in the future. Um, Memphis tanking, right? Uh, Tyreek Evans is having a phenomenal year. He is m- so much more valuable than his like three point two nine million dollar contract right now. And I think he would be absolutely perfect for the Celtics to bring in the off the bench, or even start, I mean, even start for the rest of the season and for the playoffs. Uh, so this trade I made is I made Boston receives Tyreek Evans and a second round pick from Memphis for Marcus Smart. 
what do you guys think? Thoughts, opinions? Am I stupid? Am I doing this wrong? So first of all, to back up what you said with Evans, currently he's posting a 19.5 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds per game, and 39.2% from the deep. At some of his best numbers of his career, and I think right now dealing him would be a great idea. I kind of, though, do like dealing him to the Sixers. 25 and 25 Sixers. I do like him on the Celtics. I do agree with you. Uh, Celtics with Greg Monroe being there, I think that they could actually go quite far in the East this year. I think I think they have a solid team, and after losing uh, Gordon Hayward at the start of the year, I think that that would be a great trade for the Celtics. Um, yeah. I'm talking about my team, my boys, the Boston Celtics. Um, I think you should just move to, to Boston. You pay for it, I'll go. No problem. You pay for it? Pay for the apartment? Chris I'll Thompson, when you send, send us a DM, can you send us some money to ship Brady off, please? Maybe, maybe even Robert Kraft. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, yeah, Rob Kraft. You're not too sad. If you're not too sad, please. then Rob. If, if you want to adopt Brady, you are more than likely to. I'll, I'll do it. You know what? If I don't care about my family, I love you, Rob. <laughs> Kraft, you want me? I'll take you in. Brady, don't you? Please. Doesn't your dad and like grandparents listen to you this? You know what? Robert Kraft still don't stand. Back on track, talk so, about your Celtics like receiving Celtics. Tyreek Evans, probably one of the biggest pieces to be dealt at the trade deadline. So the way I look at it is we need a scorer off the bench. Even though Rozier is a great scorer as well. I just think I, I think I think the score I think Tyreek Evans will do great with this with the Celtics. Uh, I just like our team. We have a young team. I think he's one he'll be one of the He's gonna be like one of the older guys. I know he's not old, but he's one of the older guys on our team at this point. True. So I think it adds some veteran as well, veteran leadership. You know, at the end of the day, like he's been there, he's been to the playoffs once or twice. So I think it helps out with just the culture of the, of the Celtics. I think Brad Stevens doing a great job. Don't get me wrong; he's probably one of the best coaches in the league. But I just think he puts us over the top. I think he puts us in the finals. I think he puts us to Game Seven against the against the Warriors. I also think that mo- moving on from what Brady said about the, the the Celtics going to Celtics, I think that I know we've been talking about the Heat this entire time, but I kind of think that um, Tyreek Evans being a solid wing that is actually a very well a very good scoring player, I think that he has uh, good potential landing places in either the Heat or the Thunder. Because they both did lose Dion Waiters and Andre Roberson, Roberson respectively. Although the one thing is that um, people are saying, "Oh, Memphis really wants a first round pick, a first round pick," but both those teams actually do not have first round picks. So the thing is, I actually looked at sending him both ways. The reason why I didn't further kind of explore Oklahoma City was because you're trying to replace Roberson. I get that he's very defensive. You don't need much more scoring there with the three guys you have. You need defense, and that, he's not that defense guy. Uh, Marcus Smart is actually the defense guy, and he's going to Memphis, and that was a very underrated thing. I think they both, in the trade market, would command a first-round pick. So, you know, going one for one is kind of even. Uh, Memphis sending Boston a second-rounder just because I think that might make it go through. But it can even be the other way. I think Marcus Smart here is ready to start. Uh, Mike Conley's getting up there. His contract's very bad. <laughs> very, very bad when he gets, when he gets back. Uh, so Marcus Smart can take over there. He could be he could be the one this year and then play the two next year, right? And I think that's a great move for his career too. No, nowhere or another place I would kind of like uh, Evans to be. Uh, I would kind of like him under the uh, th- the Mike D'Antoni system. 
I would kind of like him there, Houston. I would, I would enjoy seeing him there playing. I think he would excel there if you ask me. Yeah, so there are a bunch of landing spots for all of these players we've talked about. And remember to go check out our article. Just these are a couple examples. If you guys have trades that you made on the ESPN Trade Machine, feel free to tweet them at us. Feel free to comment them at us. Feel free because we'd love analyzing things and we love looking at trades. And if there's something that you think might work, then we can talk about it, you know? Feel free. Uh, with that, we're going to conclude today's podcast. Uh, we want to thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. Uh, we want to congratulate the Philadelphia Eagles on their Super Bowl. And we want to wish Brady the best of luck tonight, tomorrow, and we're always there for you, bud. Yeah, we're, we're also <laughs> yeah, we're going to be watching Brady for the next uh, couple of days, just making sure that he's all right. Yeah, just making sure that everything's good. And it's all right, Brady. you got the Celtics to yeah. uh, to. Cheer for until they lose to the Cavs in the, <laughs> in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> and anyways, anyways. So make sure you guys go give us a follow on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. All our handles going to be in the description. Make sure you give us a follow on SoundCloud. I like it. Share it with your friends. Make sure to leave us some a ton of comments because we love the criticism. We love talking to you guys. Uh, next week, we are back with some brand new topics. going to be Monday again. We're going to be very usual with this. We're going to be very on schedule just to make sure we bring you guys the best content on time for you guys to listen to. And just remember, from Ethan Brady, rap, and not actually a lawyer Lloyd, this is CST, not GSP, not PTSD. You know me. We're out.